0: Welcome to the Think Future podcast, broadcasting from deep in the heart of Silicon Valley, California. We focus on innovation, startups, and the future, not necessarily those and not necessarily
1: in that order. Here's your host.
0: Okay, sounds good. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, Great to meet you. This is how we meet each other nowadays through, through Zoom and other uh, interface is. channels, is like <laughs> in-person would be great, but, you know, uh, so uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your organization and what you're passionate about?
1: Yeah. So, yeah, so f- f- first thanks of all, for, uh, thanks for having me. Um, so I'm Josh. Uh, I am a co-founder and CEO at Mindstone. And so what we're trying to do at Mindstone is to help people or help anyone learn as fast as is humanly possible and allow them to remember it for as long as they would possibly want. Uh, we do that by trying to, by building a platform that allows anyone to create a playlist of learning if you want, create uh, courses out of content that already exist online. So take the best articles, podcasts, uh, videos, put them in a playlist, share them with others, um, learn from it, get us uh, the, the platform records your learning as you go through, it gives you a certificate when you complete it. And then you can use that to have a chat with your current employer or future employer about potential job opportunities.
0: Well, fantastic. I love the sound of that because education is such a problem nowadays. I mean, it, it needs yeah. disruption like crazy, but can you tell me a bit about how it differentiates from say teachable or any of those other products that are out there?
1: Yeah. So the biggest difference is that you're talking about curation of existing content. So we don't we don't put the emphasis on someone creating more content. I would even argue that too many platforms today are just specializing in putting more content out there, and uh, that would rely that would basically mean it, as if there isn't an enormous amount of great content already. Like as this society, oh, yeah. we're we're swimming in it.
0: If we're totally swimming totally.
1: in it <laughs> yeah i i had to actually put these numbers together recently it was every minute a thousand podcasts or podcast episodes are going live wow every i believe uh, that <laughs> scary i believe like, it every hour uh, was it no sorry every day we have more than 50 years of youtube video being uploaded Wow, it's it's crazy numbers, and so <laughs> that's, ri- that's ridiculous. You know, <laughs> so basically, what we what we tried to focus on is rather than like add to that problem of getting more content, it's like what if you start from the premise where the creation of a course is based on content that already exists. So our community, anyone basically can curate a course from content that already exists.
0: So I mean, one of the main reasons why I think a lot of course content is out there is not just because of you know, somebody wants to put the course content out there. They're also trying to promote themselves. So how, how would I be able to use Mindstone to say promote myself? Because I think a lot of a lot of the training that's out there is like, this is this, here's some training, but if you want more expanded training, if you want more you know, deeper training or whatever here, contact me and pay me some money and then you'll get that. So how do those types of contact creators work with you?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, we're very young. So the, um, the platform itself as a company, we've only been around for about a year and a half. Um, the course element has only been around for a month and a half now. So it's very new, but um, there are two different ways. One is that absolutely, like you, you both, as a course creator, your name is attached to the playlist that you put together yourself. So the course that you created from existing content. Uh, so it can be about putting a certain style out there, the things that you identify with. And then still at the end of a course, you could tell people if they wanted to to know more, they can contact you directly. In the future, we would like to allow people to create their own funnel. Some content is paid for, some is not. Um, And then the best content or the best courses end up winning out. And so if the best creators end up creating the best experiences, there would also be a monetization model behind it. Similar to how YouTube um, from a kind of creator perspective would, would think about monetization as well. So when, I, when put, sorry, uh, so when I, when I put Spotify, sorry. So when I'm putting to
0: like, if I'm a teachable uh, trainer and I want to get onto MindStone and create something on MindStone, what's the best way for me to do that? I mean, do I just, do I just sign up and then go out and curate stuff, including adding my own from my different sources or w- what's the I, process? Yeah.
1: It's as it's simple as that. Yeah. You literally go to MindStone.com. You have a course creator that uh, is part of your dashboard and you it asks you for a bunch of urls or documents you can upload your own documents if you want to um, or urls to resources that you want to be part of your course and then once you're done with that curation you hit publish and anyone can take the course
0: so what happens from a rights perspective so let's say people have got videos out there on youtube that are, say, the intro, I see your intro to product management, right? So there's tons of product management videos out there, tons and tons of this stuff. And some people have spent a lot of time and effort creating these things on YouTube. Are they going to have an issue uh, as it being part of a Mindstone course? So
1: there are are different answers to that question. First and foremost, we, we... as a course creator, indeed, we we want to make sure that course creators don't infringe on the copyright of anyone um, that they add to their course. But in most cases, this is actually first and foremost something that um, creators the content want, which is more more views out there. But second, also just the way that we've built it allows for the functioning uh, properly. So. Example that you just gave of a YouTube video. When you add that YouTube video to a course, we embed the YouTube video, and there's an official embedding mechanism that YouTube allows for any content that you want to place on a website. And so we embed it rather than copying the video in any in any way. Um, same is true for podcasts, for example, where most of the podcast hosts would prefer their content to be out there on a wide variety of platforms so long as the syndication is properly done and basically the creator has good access to all the metrics that it come from. Now there is a subset of of an area where it's when it's text resources that are behind paywalls for example where there is a, a real kind of access problem that we want to make sure and there we have two things so again for first and foremost we tell every creator that They're not supposed to be uploading copyrighted content, but then when they do, we have a full escalation mechanism to make sure that we remove that. Very similar to how you, if you upload a copyrighted video to YouTube, for example, or to Facebook or other platforms.
0: Oh, that's good. I mean, I I know that there's a lot of creators that are out there who'd be like, oh my God, I'm concerned about how this is going to work. But I love the way that if you're just embedding the video, then the person who've created the video is just another view to them, right? Exactly. Yeah. And then, and I haven't gone through any of the courses yet, but if you, if you, as you go through the courses, can you actually add things like, like, uh, tests and other, other assessments? So for example, I, I went, I go through a product management training course. It's like a five minute video on YouTube. Can I then be presented with an assessment, which said, which ask which asks, ask some of the questions within it and then get some value out of that?
1: Absolutely, yeah. So that's that's the other part of the value really that we, we add there is that it's not just a series of links, is that we have built a platform underneath that actually takes a series of links and creates a course out of it. Um, and then you have a layer of user generated content that enhances it. So every question somebody asks, every answer that is given um, actually sticks around and enhances the content so that the next user that comes along doesn't just see the content, but also sees the discussion around it we also have a, a flashcard mechanism basically when you cannot put yourself some questions you can see the questions that others have put themselves to try and remember and kind of um, uh, get to grips with with these new concepts and we have a lot more coming up exactly in that vein and the idea being that we built the tools the community can going to start to use the tools but it Kind of virally spreads in order for the content to automatically become better. If that makes sense, by the use of the community and who can then reuse it uh, to make the uh, the actual experience better. Interesting. So, I love the I love the sound of that. Was is there like a danger
0: of people like saying, "Oh, here's an upcoming test answer, so you can get through assessments and <laughs> things like that"?
1: How do you How oh. do you solve those things? So. There are multiple ways of, uh, of trying to look at that. The, the first part is just that we have to remove the content that's non-additive and put focus on the content that is additive. And there are different algorithmic ways to uh, to remove that and, and kind of um, get to the right balance. Uh, you have to look at user profiles, making sure they don't do the wrong things. and then uh, And then obviously people that have, done the wrong thing once are more likely to do it twice. And you can incorporate all of those different things in, in their uh, in their profiles. But at the end of the day, really, it's all about users understanding and making sure they understand what they are trying to do. If they're really there to learn, um, then, then trying to get through those hacks doesn't help them. So long as the system is built in a way that it is clear it doesn't help them, then they're not incentivized to do so. And if they're not incentivized to do so, you end up with a system that's much healthier. This is actually fairly, I mean, at a human level, very similar to what I used to do at Super Awesome, where we built a social network for kids at some point, um, where so long as good actions were incentivized and bad were disincentivized, and everyone in the community was clear about that, you end up having eliminated 95% of the problem. And then you have to deal with the outliers.
0: That's good. So, But you have it algorithmically, right? You don't have like hundreds of people at the back making sure that these things are
1: are clean. Oh, at the moment, we are still very small. And so at the moment we're able to do with very little algorithms and with just some ad hoc removal as and when is required. But absolutely the algorithmic way is the only way to go uh, as we scale.
0: So can you tell me a bit about, a couple of the courses I've seen are look free. I mean, are there, I mean, can you tell me about some of the paid courses and how a, a creator, like what a typically, like if, I, if I'm a creator and I come in and I want to create a course, I mean, what can I typically typically charge? What kind of length are we looking at? I mean, what's a, what's a typical typical course look like that a, a creator can actually charge for?
1: Yeah. So currently we don't support charging yet. We are still in the phase that like in courses have only been left for about a month and a half. Right. And so all the courses currently on the platform are entirely free. And so the people and the, and the businesses that have created them mostly have created them either because they really enjoy the subject um, or because they wanted to try the platform or third, because they wanted to put their name out there associated with a particular course that they thought was, uh, was useful. Now, as we, scale we have different ways of thinking about how we could monetize this and how and the way that we monetize it ends up having a direct effect with how that funnels through to creators Um, the the model that we are most excited or, or have or closest to i'd say is associated with monetizing the actual record of learning so that every action you take, every highlight you make, every comment or discussion you're part of, every question you answer, that will be part of your skill profile, your record of learning that you can then showcase to a future employer. And in order to use that in the future, um, we will most likely ask for a a fee somewhere that the user would, uh, would have to pay for. And then the creators would be able to get a share of that, which kind of aligns at best for everyone. Because at the end of the day, if the users, if the learners think that the credential is worth paying for, then that means the course must have been worth something. If the course is worth something, then the creator should absolutely have been paid for it. And so it kind of aligns the entire suite of of incentives, if that makes sense. Wow.
0: Well, from my perspective, that seems like a bit of a heavy lift. I mean, it's easy to get a course Put together and charge for that course. I mean, driving people to buy that course—that's one thing. But getting to that—it's almost like a certificate, right? You're talking about almost like uh, uh, what do they call what do they call them at UDC? It's um, mini mini degrees or micro micro degrees micro, or something like yeah, that. that that's kind of what you're offering here, right? Or are thinking about offering is sort of a micro degree. Take product management for an example. I could go in there and curate an amazing selection of content that would, by the end of it pretty much have me up to speed and on product management to the point where it's the same as a class at a college or product school or whatever. And I would be willing to pay like a thousand dollars or something like that to get that certification. And then that ter- certification would be would be meaningful. But there's, there seems like there's so many barriers to get to that point. I mean, do, do you have a plan to work through that? Because I can totally see charging for like a well curated class, but not the certification. So I'm just curious about your business model and how you how you decided to go in that direction.
1: Yeah, so it's, and it's a really important question. The it used to make sense to have one person stand in front of two or 300 and just talk about their experience or from a book actually it's, it, it when you really kind of go back in terms of how the how the system we take for granted today came to be it was really because access to knowledge was scarce and not everyone could read. And one person standing in front of two, 300 to read from a book was actually the most efficient way of going through it. The problem we exactly. have now is, but that's is like a last century or pre, pre last century <laughs> way of doing things. <laughs> exactly. But now, now we are literally in the opposite problem. There's too much information and it's hard to figure out what is the information I should actually pay attention to. And, instead of uh, I would definitely suggest that monetizing just another content stream because I'm standing in front of a person and I'm getting you through this course is probably not the way that the future of, of learning will uh, will will evolve. However, being able to, spend much less time reusing content that already exists uh, and allowing people to go through that. It takes me much less time to put together, but it also um, could scale much, uh, much further. And taking a small slice of that, if that is something that that other people think has, has real value, um, I think is a commercial model that actually would work out much Better at the end of the day for the creator because they don't have to say the same things over and over again, cohort after cohort. uh, But they actually get to improve their course as it gets better and better, and it can reach millions and millions.
0: No, I mean I'm I'm convinced of the value of the curation as well as the value of the certificate. Certificate. The question is how do you how do you get other people to understand the value of the curation? Because you said you said it at the very beginning that we have so there's so much content out there that it really needs curation and no one is actually no one feels that they have to pay for something to be properly curated for some reason I don't know why that is it's like there's tons of value in curation but there seems to me that this barrier to paying for curation if that makes sense
1: yeah so this is where there's an interesting analogy to Spotify in a way where yeah. a very similar thing has happened you're not paying Spotify just for the access to particular pieces of music that you already know you want to listen to they enhance the learn the listening experience itself by making you discover new music, by allowing you to create playlists, sharing them with others. Having, yeah,
0: absolutely, uh, that would be the example I would I would rise up. So that's that's exactly right. Yeah.
1: and and so that's that's how we would want to, or that's where we would want to take some inspiration from in terms of commercial model. It's something that works for creators, it's something that works for consumers, and uh, we need to find the way that that works within the learning space and for Mindstone.
0: Yeah, because if you think about it, what's happening with Spotify is that you get, you almost get the curation as a bonus, right? I mean, you get access to the 4 million tracks or whatever tracks they have. So you can personally select whatever track you want to play at whatever point. So that feels like where the value is and the curation is just an add-on on top of that. I mean, I listen to Release Radar all the time. I love the fact that they bring stuff in that I've never heard before and it expands my, I think the value, there's value there, but if release radar was a thing by itself, I probably wouldn't pay for it. So in, in or well, I mean, I probably pay for it, but there's plenty of people who wouldn't. So I guess yeah. the question to you is, is it, is it the same thing? Is like curation, I think has a lot of value, but I don't think it's, it's out in the marketplace yet that they understand where the value of curation is. And I think that's what, that's really, what's the power behind your platform is there's tons of, value in in curation and we just need to sort of unearth that and get it out in front of people
1: yeah i think that's a it's a really interesting challenge and as i said we have not yet decided which path we want to go after and this is one of the challenges that we need to solve uh, before we do, or I mean, does it not before we start experimenting, but before we will have any particular success, we will definitely have to have a, a clear answer. As to how do you incentivize both the curation in a monetary way so that people understand that, yes, it is worth their time uh, curating the best possible learning experiences um, and that they can make a, a great living doing that as well.
0: Okay. So when are you going to be able to charge? Because I want to do this right now. <laughs> <laughs> like as soon as I get off the as soon as I get off the phone, I want to create a, a bunch of videos because every time I try to go to Teachable or any of those other, pro, it's like, oh, you got to do this and this is this. There are so many restrictions yeah. on what you know what you're allowed to do on there for them to go. Oh, it's a quality course, right? But I'm like, I want to just yeah. take a bunch of my my videos because I have a ton of of shows which are are basically little nuggets of information that could be pulled into a course. So I would love to use. I'd love to use MindStone to be able to pull together, so like I think, like a futurist course or whatever. And here, like here are the here are the all the elements of it, and just point to yeah. my to my uh, stream and say here it's almost like a, a much better playlist with with the assessments in between and exercises, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, I mean, I would definitely be able to charge for something like that. So, how far away is the ability for me to charge for a course on MindStone?
1: I don't. I'm not sure if I want to publicly <laughs> commit to any deadline here. <laughs> exactly. The um, I can tell you that we're about to release Mindset for business, and that will be uh, that will allow the curation of uh, of pathways of, of playlists for corporations internally. And so there there might be mechanisms one day for people to put them together and then charge for access to that community pretty pretty soon. But I think that the the actual consumer pricing model is at least 6 months off i think oh come on man <laughs> you got to do better than that <laughs> i want to use this today
0: <laughs> well use it today not, not that Experiment i won't start not everything. that i won't start using it i will start using it cuz i i love the concept this is exactly what i've been looking for personally for my own content and i think there's tons of tons of other creators out there who would love to be able to do that cuz like i said i think that there's a lot of value in curation we just, we, there's just no platforms out there that allow you to monetize curation. And I think that's one of the key things that you can do here is monetize curation. If you can monetize curation, this is sort of like it blows everything else open for people to curate. Because I mean, I think that right now we have, there's so much professional curation going on, but there's very little personal creation that's monetizable, right? I can cur- curate till the cows come home and I put stuff online and I'll get nothing out of it other than, you know, the enjoyment of having curated stuff, right? <laughs> Yep. Very, There's very so much, true. yeah. Yeah. So I can't wait for you to do that, but let's 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 step back for a second. Like so you're one of the founders of the company, right? Yes. So how did you come up with this idea? I mean, where did you were you just like sifting through videos one day trying to learn something and going, "My god, I wish there was a way to
1: curate all this stuff." Like how did you come up with the concept? So at the very fundamental level, it's because I'm a self-taught coder. And so I I'll taught myself how to build websites how to build apps uh, by purely just navigating from website to website and finding a bunch of bad content and some really great Um, and I wish I hadn't I didn't have or I hadn't I didn't have to go through all of the bad content I guess I wish someone had gone before me and just was able to say well start here, then do this thing, then do this other thing. And I would have saved a lot of time. Yep. By doing Somebody stuff.
0: who has pre, pre-curated a list of content for you to go
1: through. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, and then so that was at a starting point just from an engineering perspective. But um, that's now, what, 15 years ago, a little bit more. Actually, quite a bit more already, 20 years ago. Um, wow, the... it took you that long to get this product out? <laughs> I know. It's I know. an overnight I...
0: success. <laughs>
1: Exactly. Um yeah, so uh then I built a few companies and did did different things. And since then, kind of the idea that you can learn anything from the internet, it has has stuck because I did it in engineering, but there is nothing that prevents you from learning anything you want to learn in economics or physics or even if you want to learn how to build a rocket, you can do so by... Oh, yeah. Uh, Everything's online. Right. Exactly. And so <laughs> I thought, well, what if you built a platform that just allows anyone to do that for any domain, um, independent on where they're coming from? And so the the fundamental kind of starting point came from, from that personal experience. And then there are a bunch of just market trends behind this that mean... That made me think now is the right time. The tech is ready. Like we are, we're able to treat data to a degree that we have never been able to. So the challenge of having too much content there is actually now off-the-shelf treatable with some AWS and uh, Google Cloud services that can just machine learn in the background to figure out what is the right thing at the right time. Uh, it's also the level of automation in the workforce means that more adults are having to learn on a continuous basis. And so they're, they're forced to learn new things rapidly and, and their mentality is not necessarily to go back to school and do that back in a, in a classroom because their lifestyle is very different. And so they, all of those things drive t- uh, to kind of it being the right, the right time. And then just personally, i, I built super awesome before. And kind of when the time came where, I didn't have to think about where the next paycheck was coming from. That was really the moment that I was able to say, okay, well, if that's not the motivator, like where would I want to spend my time? And right. that's where education seemed to be the logical step and when everything else kind of came from there.
0: But then, uh, so, but you still don't have a commercial model. So uh, hopefully you can, hopefully you can last long enough to, actually launch the commercial model and have it pay for itself because that's the thing i'm concerned about i love the concept and i think the concept is fantastic i'm just wondering i'm just concerned that where the leg's coming from right you need you need
1: money coming in there's got to be some business model here that will work for you absolutely so there there are there are a few reasons one is we were vc backed actually we just did the um the biggest EdTech crowdfund ever on, on CETA's uh, closed last Friday. Um, nice. So it's not like we're Congratulations. That's great. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but yeah, so we're not going to run out of money, but there's a reason why we're not charging yet. One is that we just we feel that we need more time to experiment and get the model right, and we need to move really, really fast. The second is that I was talking about this, part of the platform that we're trying to build is a loop where every learner that goes through a journey enhances the journey itself, right? By leaving behind their comments, their questions, their answers. And so future learners going through make it better. Oh, yeah. and so when you think that through a little bit, the more learners that go through, the better the course and the playlist becomes. So the more people were able to actually incentivize to go through these courses, the better they are. And so there is a a, a moat in in a way that gets created where we as a company as well get better and better by having more users. And introducing a barrier to entry too early where we, before we're sure exactly where the value comes in, would have the risk of preventing people from going through the playlists, which then would prevent the value from uh, from the actual interactions to accrue over time. So that's the kind of the business reason as to why it doesn't yet make sense to think about uh, monetizing too soon, if that makes sense.
0: Well, I, I love the concept of bringing value in from the comments of the, of the, of the learners. It, it, you almost need some kind of facilitation module where the, the actual course creator or the curation creator it's not really a course right it's like it's a yeah. list the, the playlist creator can actually go in and say oh this this piece of, of information adds value this one doesn't so they can say you know incorporate like a little incorporate into my class button which pulls it in and beca- it may become it becomes an official part of the course or let's say for example i said oh you know this is a great video but here's another one that's that's interesting and supplemental i'll post the link to that and then i um, as the curator i can imp- import that into my course so yes there's value there's value for the curator initially putting it together but then you're like you said there's value in the students actually adding value to it so you've got to f- figure out how do we share that value with the curator as well as the students and, and everybody else? So it's it's not an easy model to crack. I mean you could do something like a point system or something like that, but uh, you know it, and it, but it has to also be clear and and easy to understand. So if you, <laughs> you go off on tangents and do all sorts of crazy things, then people are like, what what's this? I can't handle it. It's just too complicated.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely not an easy challenge, uh, but then again, it wouldn't be fun to do if it was too easy either. Uh, so <laughs> we're very aware of the fact that like this has not been done yet. Um, and, and we have a ton of challenges, but we have a, a really great team. And so I, I don't doubt that we'll we'll be able to get answers to all of these various bits over the next few years.
0: So speaking of that, I mean, let's talk about uh, outreach. So, how how are you promoting it? How are you selling it? How are you marketing it? Like, who was your first customer? Can you tell me a little bit about growth?
1: Yeah. So, uh, first customers were just people that we knew. So direct outreach in a way. Uh, I think as it is for many, uh, and our maybe my network is a little bit bigger than than most. We had a few hundred people kind of try it out through through that, different groups I'm part of, things like that. Uh, We then had very simple google adwords a trickle just like i think we started with like 10 pounds a day uh, of just some google adwords traffic that would filter through it would allow us to optimize the messaging on the landing page to do some experiments with like one sign up flow over another sign up flow do people stick why are they not sticking Um, it allows us to uh, to have automated triggers so we had things like if a user signed up and they didn't come back for a week, offer them a call in exchange for like an Amazon voucher and things like that, which allowed us to then have multiple calls with users and start to go through that. Uh, Recently, we started to trial out a go-to-market through influencers, which was a really interesting one so basically somebody with a certain audience in a space who is already trying to educate their audience who wants to talk about a particular subject has some of their own content but also wants to share other content from others that they really value they put together a course and then they shout about the course that they created which was a really interesting model um, because one, it seemed to resonate very strongly. Lots of uh, influencers were very happy to put that together. And they they looked at it as another way of engaging and giving to their community, which was uh, which was great. Um, but also, it is a reproducible model. So we can then figure out what is the space that we want to make sure we are solid in from a mindset perspective we identify three or four different people we ask them to come up with courses in their particular uh ex- fields of expertise and then they start to talk about it and then you have kind of an interesting network effect where because more people that are following the same influencers hear about mindset at the same time they come to take the course initially that came from the influencer they see the other few courses in the same domain that are on the platform and they're able to Uh, start learning more in that way as well so those are the the different routes to market that we've trialed at the moment and uh lots more to come but good initial success and quite a lot of traction actually we had more than at this point more than sixty thousand signups since the start of the year so something is going well
0: are you finding that the influencers uh really uh pushed up your numbers because like you said it's almost like they're gifting something to their to their followers right i mean that's that's kind of where it fits in but is that is that what happened
1: it's a decent amount it's less than half of where we're at so the rest came from from google and facebook uh, but yes it's a it's definitely a decent amount and we've also seen that for depending on the influencers you talk uh, we we talk to some cross pollinate so you you've got users that try one course and they will try the other courses that are on the platform even those that have nothing to do with their field sometimes and others only take the course of that particular influencer, because the only reason they came to the platform was to do that course because the influencer talked about it. Um, and this is something so that we need to experiment more with, because the the overall hypothesis is that if people were engaging with the influencer for the purpose of entertainment, then they are just trying to engage with more content of that influencer. but. If they came to the influence, the audience itself, the influencer was there to for self-improvement or to be more productive or to learn more Then being driven to a platform that helps you learn different things, makes them interested to do the other things. And so this is kind of the type of person that we would want to work with more would be more of the second type kind of going forward. But this is after a bunch of experimentation in the last year, obviously.
0: Right, right. Very cool. All right. Well, I love the I love the concept, and I wish you'd be wish you'd charge now, but maybe it'll happen sooner than six months. <laughs> so I'm right, going to start using my... it anyway. <laughs> but yeah, Definitely. I mean, a, a, a multitude of models would probably be good. It's like uh, I want to charge. I want to give my course for free, or I want to charge for you know this particular stream that they get through, or I want I have a certificate at the end. So a multiple. But that, I'm just suggesting. You know, <laughs> yeah, you can do whatever works for you guys. So That's, it is. We, uh, we Sorry. We will definitely get there. Okay, good. So it's time to think like a future. It's a year 2031. It's 10 years from now. Where is Mindstone going to be? Is it going to be automatically curating stuff for me and, and putting together a, a playlist of the stuff I need to know? W- what's it going to be doing?
1: It's actually not far from it. So 2031, we will try to have built the world's knowledge and skill map and have mapped all of the content on the internet to that map understand the level of skill and knowledge that the person has and then map from their current place to whatever it is they want to master what that pathway looks like based on content that already exists
0: interesting so you're talking about automated curation so we're taking the humans out of the
1: out of the loop in the long run the idea is indeed because the there is such a thing as the right piece of content for the right person based on the prior context that that person has. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. So, so th- these imagine... these engines that we have today totally fail in that though. They <laughs> totally fail. And that's where our challenge is there. But I think the the tech is starting to, to get there and there, there are a bunch of different ideas for us to, to be able to apply that.
0: Yeah, because I mean, I would pay for a search engine that would be more effective than what I'm getting today. Right, it's like if something would be able to just present to me actual, real, relevant information that w- it would be relevant to me and not show me ads, I would pay for that. And it would be the same with that. It's like let's say, you know, I I'm applying for a job and I need a, an additional skill set to add to my resume. I'd be I should be able to go to I should be able to go to MindStone and then it would automatically know, hey, you know, here here's what you need to do to get to get to that level of skill. I mean, is that That's, is that kind of yeah. what you're
1: talking about? That, that's exactly it. So in, the goal formulation can come in multiple ways. It can be, I want to get better at physics, very, very vague. And so different options presented. It can be, I want to become a financial director. And then what does it mean to become a financial director? The system should be able to break that up into different milestones and then yep. present you with a pathway to get to what would be the most common definition of a financial director. Um, and then different ways as well, but sometimes you want to get there the fastest you can possibly get it. And so there it'll be all about efficiency and getting you to the fundamentals very quickly. In other cases, it might be someone who is interested in becoming a financial director, but you know what, it's a long-term aim. And I really want to have, I want to have fun whilst I am uh, trying to learn this, this core, uh, core skill. And so the pathway would be different again. So
0: I would be able to just say, you know, or, or say if I want to be an entrepreneur, right? I could say I have a full-time job, but i one day, you know, I have a passion making something I could conceivably sort of in, uh, learn how to, how to do that in dribs and drabs at the same time as I'm working. Exactly. And that would be, yeah. So um, can you tell me about some of the, what, what, what's on there today? Like what's the majority of content on Mindstone? What What, what are people mostly training on, curating on?
1: so i don't think that there is a majority there i mean we have courses from like the bitcoin association about the fundamentals of fund- fundamentals of bitcoin to uh the body collective which did a course on uh women over 40 and how to live your best self uh there we have flown who did a course on deep work uh aim carry the mda tech stars who did a a course on how to build products customers love. So the the spectrum is actually fairly large. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't say that we have enough courses to be able to tell you yet. Where are where are most of them getting created?
0: Is there any particular area that you want to continue moving forward in, or is it more generalized?
1: Yeah, yeah so absolutely, we do have a, a a plan kind of how we how how we think about this um, from a go to market perspective. Right? So. Um, where we want to spend more time is in the sectors where job automation is or has the highest risk. Uh, People that need to or want to reskill or upskill in their current jobs. So think about accounting, finance, insurance. Um, Those are probably some of the first industries that we will end up creating or incentivizing the creation of more courses very quickly. Um, mm-hmm. in order to to become a, a more and more useful place for those people to go. What about uh, things like coding,
0: like software development? So
1: we, yeah, so we can do that. I'd say that's probably the one space where there's a lot out there to try and help you to become a better coder. So right. Although I think in the long run, we will probably be able to accommodate that. I'm not sure in the short term, it's the best outlet. Like the, you, you, we want to focus on the places where the, these playlists do not exist and where the outlets to training and reskilling and upskilling are few, not many. Mm-hmm. So when, when are you going to be bringing in the AI component?
0: Cause I really want to, I want that too. Is that, is that like a year <laughs> <It's>, out? Or... <laughs> oh, that's a few years out. That's a few years out.
1: Like we, um, yeah, it's, a that's, that's the hardest thing from a technology perspective. Uh, it, it won't be done overnight, even from a tech perspective. And even just from a business perspective, we first want to get the dynamics of the community properly right. Um, and actually, if anything, the amount of curation that we'll be able to generate as the community grows will allow us to build a better algorithm for uh, in the future when we think about automated um, path suggestions. Now, do you
0: see do you see getting to a point where it's like fully AI, or is there always going to be a hybrid human AI curation?
1: I'd say there would. I can we can get to a point where the base is AI enhanced by people, rather than the base being human enhanced by AI. Uh, so I definitely can see where the base system is is purely AI, and then humans end up making it better.
0: Right, but you don't see a time, maybe, maybe fifty years from now, when it's just pure AI.
1: Oh, absolutely, yes, uh, I yeah. do. I believe in the fact that at some point, at uh, some point, we're going to get there. Just maybe not in ten yet. But it's <laughs> so a will it pay point, for me? The AI, the AI will be running the company at that point. So
0: <laughs> yeah, so it's, it kind of reminds me that it's it makes me think of the Uber model a bit. So Uber comes in and they they create all these jobs for people to to uh, ferry people back and forth. And suddenly they're like spending tons of money building autonomous vehicles and they're they're pushing all those drivers out and they just have autonomous vehicles. You're not going to do that anytime soon, right? So if all these curators come in and they start making money on your platform and you're like, oh, try your new AI
1: curator. They're much better. Kick them in and kick everybody out. No. <laughs> That's a little farther down the file path, right? It, 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 it's much further than the path. And also the idea is, to, is not to eliminate the people from a job perspective that, that are trying to build the best learning experiences. It's to allow them to spend the time, their time in the places that their time is best spent. Uh, we often right. talk about so the industry, talk, uh, kind of how the real value is in the coaching as a user goes through. So as our platform evolves, hopefully we can get creators to be more involved in the actual learning that happens on these various uh, pathways and they can they can guide people along much more than having to do the actual work of curation because if the work of curation is done it allows them to focus on more value add, being part of discussions being part of um, one-on-one coaching sessions and uh, uh, different ways to to help people learn faster and remember more.
0: Fantastic. Well, I love it. And I'm going to go right after this. I'm going to go start creating some courses on there because yes. this is exactly what I've been looking for, but you need to move up that date for charging. For yes.
1: some <laughs> Can we do like we a beta test that. just
0: for me or something like that? <laughs> Yep. I mean, I'm looking oh. at the courses and everything says free, free, free beside it. So you're obviously thinking about putting it in there. The question is when, right? When's the number going in there? <laughs> Very true. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. This is great. And I'm going to try some of these courses too, just so I can get a feel for it. When you mentioned deep work, it's interesting you should mention that because it's like sitting here on my desk as one of the books I need to read next. So maybe it would be great to have like a preview of that before I step into it. And this would be perfect to do it using your uh, using Mindstone so I can get an idea of how it works. So this is great. This is great.
1: Yeah, their course is, is really good.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been great. Um, so if somebody wants to get in touch with you best way, just go to Mindstone.com or hit you up on LinkedIn. What's the best way?
1: So uh, Twitter is probably easiest at Joshua Vola. Um LinkedIn also possible, but a little bit hard because I had to sh- uh, shut it down. If you don't know my email address, uh, you can just email me Joshua at joshuadmindstone.com. Also fine.
0: Awesome. Well, I'll put all your contact information in the show notes. This is great. Thank you so much. Great talking with you.
1: Hey, thank you very much for having me. Enjoy the conversation and um, let me know how it goes. Absolutely. Talk to you soon. Thanks a lot. Bye.